Hi, this is John Nelson. This is Jimmy Maurer. Hi, I'm Andre Zanoda, and you're listening to the Dallas Soccer Show. Hello and welcome to the Dallas Soccer Show presented by the Striker Texas. In this episode, we'll be talking about FC Dallas's 4-1 thrashing of the Portland Timbers and talking about some news about fill-in captain Brisson that has him in doubt for at least the next match, maybe even more. I'm Dustin Nation and I'm here alongside our man in the stands, our East Side regular Jonathan Ross. How's it going, Jonathan? It's going pretty good, Dustin. I am having to hide out in my... Uh uh, my tornado shelter right now because you know the sirens uh, keep going off. It's Monday That's night. That's the lightning Frisco. warning. That's it, it. Yes, it is the lightning warning. For some reason, uh, Frisco has determined that when there is a thunderstorm coming through, it's a good time to s- set off the t- the tornado sirens. So uh, I'm uh, hiding out, you know, in fear. Gotcha. So if you don't respond to something I say, I'll just assume you're checking Twitter for the weather. Exactly. Or whatever people do for the weather these days. All right. Uh, also joining us is the president of the Eric Quill fan club. It is Nico Mendez. How's it going, Nico? I think president and fan club <laughs> is a little much. I, too, am watching out my window, seeing what the clouds are doing. It's a different type of physics than what I'm used to. It's atmospherical fluid stuff. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, I don't know. I just make it, I'm just a nerd, a computer nerd, so... Uh, I'm just making stuff up. For those new right. to the podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start things off with a little bit of uh, Brisson news. He It was revealed on the broadcast on Saturday from Steve Davis that Brisson will miss uh, at least one week, possibly two or more, depending upon how long it takes, uh, to go back to Brazil and get his green card. So that's a little bit of a good news, bad news situation. Good news is getting the green card. Um, that's an open international spot. Bad news um, that if uh, Matt Hedges has any setbacks on his ankle, then they're down a center back. I was going to say, if you're going to give me president of fan club of something, I would definitely say it's Brisson. <laughs> oh, yeah? Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's in a, in a like, like you were saying, Dustin, there's a positive in that it does open up an international spot. Um, and I'm pretty sure he, his wife, and uh child are also stoked about that but it also is a little disappointing because he's arguably been the best defender for fc dallas um these past three games uh really stepped it up um and i a little curious as to if the, what we've seen with the multiple formation changes is a result of how well brisson's been doing a in training and i mean we've seen in match as well so a little unfortunate that you kind of lose that momentum that he's built up both for himself and kind of for the back line yeah, Jonathan, are you a little bit worried that there's going to be no no cover besides uh, Nkasi Tafari? Uh, for for sure, that I mean that in Nkasi has very has limited minutes. Has I don't I don't even know how many minutes he's played from an MLS perspective. I'd have to look it up, but um, it's probably less than ten. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's more than that. 
I, I don't. I, 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 I'm trying to remember if, if I've even seen him play uh, a, a match in the regular season. But either way, yeah, that there is not a lot of depth there from an FC Dallas perspective at center back. Uh, I brought that up before when they were playing the three center back formation that you know, they were kind of putting putting at risk really three starting caliber uh, uh, center backs, right? When there was no no good backup. So, yes, uh, it's. It's unfortunate he's gone, but you know I think Matt will be fine. Uh, listening to to him uh, after the match, after the uh, San Jose match, and then also hearing uh, about his progress from Lucci, it seems like it was kind of a, a minor injury to his ankle. Uh, there, more of a precaution was why he was held out in this last match. I think he could have gone if he had to. So if Brisson had already been gone, I, I think that Hedges could have played uh, against against. Uh, uh, Portland on on Saturday night, uh, so it's yes, uh, it's it's unfortunate, but you know, hopefully, it's good timing. I mean, it, it, one good thing it does is it means that Lucci isn't going to be forced to make a decision on who he's going to start because uh, you know he's going to be down one starting center back already. Yeah, and just a, a quick fact check: Nkasi uh, has zero regular season minutes. So I was so. technically correct with my uh, under ten. But yes, I could not remember. <laughs> I couldn't remember him ever playing in a match. So definitely not inexperienced. Has spent time with North Texas, so it's not like FC Dallas was going to be going in kind of cold with a defender. Sure. So that does beg the question. Um, so if they've already got one international spot from uh, Tiago Santos, and then they purchased another one, and now. Brisson gets a green card. That's three international roster spots that FC Dallas is sitting on. Is that you think it's only it's only two because they've uh, that the first one that they let go. Uh, oh is yes, going because to, Shown is here. Yeah, Shown, Shown. Who's, okay. Yeah, so so Shown yeah. who is who is I think actually here now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he should and be Dallas in the running to start this week. Yeah, to play so, at least. Yeah, he's he's in the in the running to be available uh, for Lucci to choose. Uh, I think the assumption. I don't know if I've ever seen this uh, from the club or anything. I think the assumption is that because of his vaccination status, there was not a requirement to uh, to isolate for you know ten to fourteen days like we've seen with other players when they traveled. Yeah, I think that what came from Buzz over at Third Degree. Okay. Who's, who, who yeah, I, came I, out with I've that. seen that a couple of places. I hadn't seen that officially from the club. So, yep. So unofficially, but still. Um, so they're okay. Two open spots. Do they? When we talked a little bit about it last last uh, episode. Now we have an extra one. I my my theory here, uh, if you'll indulge me, is that I believe that they are thinking that that will be worth more later in the season. And we'll then turn around and resell it for a profit. I don't know. That's that's my theory. What do you get about about y'all? Do you think they're going to bring in two folks? That's a very classic stonks move, right there. Stonks. That Jonathan would be. Looks puzzled. That would. Well, I I am a little a little puzzled. That seems Dustin kind of out there. Have we seen a club actually do that? Actually go out, spend Garber bucks, you know, two hundred, especially two hundred fifty k on an international spot just to just to hold on to uh, my my guess is uh, well you know the person they should have known for a while that it's coming right my guess is there's probably still somebody coming in this window that they want that that first international spot for 
And so, yes, maybe the Brasal one will end up being extra, but from a timing perspective, until he gets that green card, he's using that international spot. You know, they've only got a few weeks left to actually bring someone in. So if you're going to in this in this current window. So that's would, that's, uh, that's my thought. Would Tebow uh, occupy an international spot? Uh, I think Tebow a, would, uh, but it's not. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I was a little tongue in cheek. Uh, I, I was like, um, didn't we already go through the pronunciation guides from Nico last week? But uh, no, I mean, again, have you been listening to the podcast? Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you should know me. <laughs> All right. Well, let's. Um, I guess it'll, we'll, time will tell what, what FC Dallas does with that extra um, international spot and how how will they do without Brisson in the lineup. And uh, so, best wishes and safe travels to Brisson and his family. But uh, let's let's take turn the turn the uh, attention now towards the thrashing. Uh, I guess we could call it of FC Dallas uh, put on a a we'll call it a weekly weekend Portland side. Uh, Portland coming out uh, in a in a little bit of a, a softer lineup than we would expect. They didn't start a lot of their their normal starters because they're in between the two Concacaf Champions League matches. FC Dallas came right out of the gates. Andres Ricarte getting a second-minute goal and then followed up by a Jader Obreon goal over the top from Felipe. He, he uh, with his weak foot, lobbed the entirety of Portland's team. Uh, and Jader came in and, and put chip the keeper, and it went up 2-0. And right before the break, Brisson put a uh, corner kick away to go up 3-0. Uh, second half, FC Dallas came out, uh, looked really content to to absorb some pressure, maybe absorbed a little bit too much, gave away some free kicks in some really dangerous spots, and ultimately paid a little bit of a price there when Eric Williamson put away a goal in the second 62nd minute. Uh, but then it, FC Dallas made a little bit of a change, brought in some, some fresh legs, a fresh center defensive mid in Edwin Cerillo, and it was all FC Dallas after that. With and uh, Dante Seeley got his first MLS goal uh, in the 85th minute uh, to end up four one four one and finally get on the win column. So FC Dallas is now one one and one. Let's let's take a little bit of a deeper dive into into that match. Uh, I think the thing the talking points coming into the match was will we see a return to the four three three. Uh, for the first time this season, and we did. Jonathan, are you happy to see it? Uh, I, I think pretty much everybody, at least on the fan side, was happy to see the four three three. We we knew that that was likely to come back because uh, because of the state of Hedges, right? So we knew that Hedges was likely going to get the week off. Not knowing at the time also what was happening with Brisson, it makes even more sense. If, if Lucci was going to rotate and give Hedges a week off, that was you know the, the, the week to do it. Uh, so I don't think you know, many of us were surprised to see the 4-3-3 come back. Uh, there were, however, a couple of surprises in the lineup. Uh, first of all, uh, the the starting debut for uh, Manjoma. And I think, uh, I mean, I was... I'd seen a couple people choosing him potentially as the starting lineup uh, in the starting lineup. I, I personally didn't expect it. Um, 
turned out well. I mean, I understand that. I mean, if we if we maybe maybe we talk about that one first, if you guys don't mind. But um, from a formation perspective, I I think all of us agree that Ryan Hollingshead plays better as a left back. Right, he's one of the uh, probably a leading outside back when he plays in the left across the league, um, and I would say he's an average when he's at right back. It's great that he can yep. move back and forth. Um, but the, the change in bringing in, um, uh, uh, really, I think was to allow Ryan to move back to his more natural, uh, left back spot, um, where, you know, he played quite well, but before we get into Ryan, Nico, what'd you think of the, the debut? I thought Eddie did really well. Um, I'm kind of also relying on 2020 North Texas SC where Eddie towards that end of the probably the latter half of that season got um, a nice run with North Texas playing that right back position. Um, so he, he didn't really look uncomfortable. Um, probably a lot of emotions and nerves running at first because he did get that um, pretty early on yellow card, which it kind of, I think it kind of helped him a bit because you saw him be a little bit focused, a little bit more composed just because he's got to be conscious that, all right, I'm already carrying a yellow card for this long in the game. But um, I thought he did really well. Um, he's really comfortable getting forward, which he had the opportunity a lot to do in North Texas and kind of asked him about that after the game. He goes, it's my first game, but uh, I really want to be able to bring that ability to this team. And I think once Eddie kind of gets a feel for how the team uh, just getting used to MLS level play, I think he's going to compliment Ryan really well. Ryan on the left and Eddie on the right. Um, it's going to be a very exciting team. So, so Dustin, knowing that you know, so in order for Eddie to come on, uh, Nelson has to to take a seat. What did you what did you think of of Eddie's performance? And you know, how do you compare as far as uh, what you, the pros and cons you get when you play Nelson versus uh, Manjoma? Okay, so there's several questions there. I'll start with the first. Like, how did I how did I assess that? Um, so you could tell at the beginning he was kind of restrained, kind of stayed back a little bit. A lot of the play went through the left-hand side going forward. Um, they they did a lot of switching of the field in order to make the ball progress. In fact, we've seen Lucci do that um, where he'll craft a game plan kind of around um, players who are making a debut or players who are needing to build confidence where he will will kind of – make sure that there's not too much responsibility on their shoulders right out of the gates and that they're going to, they're going to like let the game sit back and kind of let the game uh, come to them and warm up to the game. And, and that's what happened there. You saw him be a lot more active and a lot more involved in going forward in the latter stages of the first half and um, in the second half uh, before he came off. And, you know, I, I think that, I think that, the offensive upside of him and the definite upside upside of of Hollingshead on the left kind of uh I guess overrode the defensive capabilities of, of Johnny Nelson. Um and you I don't know, it kind of felt like the, the plan of attack was to go after Bonilla on on Portland and Johnny Nelson's not going to be the guy to go after him and, and combine up the wing to kind of be overload the um, overload the the Portland right side. And so I don't know. I, I like it. I don't know whether we'll see it again uh, soon or not. Whether we'll see it in the next match, but it was 
for that one, for that match, it certainly worked. Yeah, I think it was a, a perfect situation for Minjoma to come in. I, I, I think that uh, the expectation from Lucci was to see a bit of a rotated Portland squad, uh, which meant that it was going to be an opportunity for Minjoma maybe to get a feel against uh, a team that's not going to press him offensively as much uh, as as some other teams may. Uh, I think he did well. Uh, there's, I mean, there's definitely some growth there on the def- defensive side. I think he looked uh, the few times he did go for it. I think he looked well, but um, you can tell that uh, he doesn't have the experience level that Johnny has, or, or the confidence it looked like from a defensive perspective. That's going to come with with games and with reps. Yeah, how many times did we say that about Brian Reynolds and Reggie Cannon though? Like same thing. Was we we said the exact same thing. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely with, with Reynolds, Reynolds, strength was going forward, right? But he was much more well-rounded by the time he made his first start. Um, then I think Monjoma looked in this, uh, in this first match. That's fair. Yeah. I think one of the, uh, wasn't one of, it was, uh, Reynolds debut. He went up against Nani, uh, yep. for, for Orlando and shut him down. So, you know, um, I think you're right. I think this is the the perfect time to bring him in, and it was it worked out really well. And it was actually interesting that we never saw Portland really go after him. So you, that was not part of the the game plan. There was some, but it was you know it, sometimes you'll see when uh, you know FC Dallas lines up against a team that they they will definitely going after one of the outside backs. I, I never got that from from the game on Saturday while when Jomo was in it, that, that they were purposely going after that spot. Maybe, maybe sure. some of that's Brisson. Maybe some of that was just a uh, lack of cohesion on the Portland side of, of the house. Yeah, maybe. Uh, another player getting a start that we normally don't see start, uh, Nico. I did not get the start, unfortunately. No, no. Thoughts on, on Pepe getting the start over Hara? Um. You know, that's really interesting. I don't know. It could be a whole podcast in and of itself if you really want to go down that route. But um, <laughs> How much beer do you have? <laughs> I'm, I'm saving the money for the stonks. I got I to gotta get a reputation to maintain right there. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, it was kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I, I guess considering the fact that it's taken me a while to figure out how I want to respond to this is kind of a little indicative of just the situation in of itself, right? Cause FC Dallas comes in, uh, brings in their first million million dollar salaried player, right? And there's a, a lot of, uh, uh, I guess a lot of news, a lot of chatter around Franco coming in. And so with that, there's that expectation that, okay, Franco from kind of the expectation is like from the get-go, Franco is to be scoring goals, um, which I'm not saying in 2020 he didn't. He did score goals, um, though with with his age, it seems like he's a little bit slower. Um, Lucci kind of likes to play a little bit of a high-intensity uh, game, right? So that kind of begs the question: Does Franco and his lack of speed for Lucci's system does that mesh well? But what do we kind of see with this game? Um, Pepe had a, some pretty limited touches. Uh, he didn't get the ball as much as many would have expected. Okay, Pepe's coming in. He's a younger guy. He's much quicker. He's going to score. Pepe also does score. Uh, he does really well with those like second and third straggling balls within the box. 
uh, kind of like a poacher. Um, but he also didn't get the ball. So it kind of begs the question, is the issue with the striker or is it kind of with just that, again, getting the ball into the box? The service. Exactly, yeah. the service. So um, I feel like we're going to get to the service question later. But uh, I guess for early on in the season, it, I guess it, it's good for Pepe to also get that start. It also kind of sends a message to just the rest of the team that, um, hey, even though you're probably the, the, the veteran individual on this team, um, nothing's really guaranteed. And that's what Lucci wants. And I fans and uh, us in the media, we also want, right? We want to see competition within the team. And that just makes the team itself uh, better. Yeah. I I think the big thing that stood out to me, even though he had limited touches, I, w- I went back and and rewatched San Jose, or at least part of it, as much of it as I could stun- stomach. Um, and the thing that really stuck out to me, I, I specifically watched um, Hara. Uh, and this was prior to the game, before I knew that that um, uh, Pepe would be starting. But I was watching Hara, and his whole persona, his whole aura, if you will, uh, was very negative that whole match. Like he he would throw little mini tamper tantrums and whenever the ball didn't get to him, he would his even the way he would play was was you know negative is in the in the sense that it would he would come back and never like push the ball forward. Uh, at most he kind of got some sideways sideway passes going on. And and I think the thing that really stood out to me after watching that and watching Pepe start and Hollingshead on the left was just the positivity. And I tweeted this out, like the positivity between like that that was injected into that offense if from an attitude perspective and from a going forward and moving the ball forward perspective um, was was really stark. Jonathan, how do you how did you uh, assess Pepe and and Hara sitting. Uh, well, it was it was a surprise, right? Even though you know, you know, I technically predicted it. I predicted it, not really, <laughs> not really expecting it to happen. More from a hopeful perspective, um, because I, I think that we've we've come to the conclusion, and maybe wrongly, maybe this is uh, Lucci sending a message to you that um, that Hara was going to get those reps because he's the experienced experienced guy. He's big money. Um, he's got kind of the skins on the wall, whatever from, from, you know, Liga MX. Uh, and so to see Lucci actually pull him and put in Pepe, I do, I do think that sends a message, right? And that might be something that's happening in practice. That might be something related to, to attitudes, whatever. Um, I, you know, we don't know that we don't know the reasoning for it. Um, but what, what Nico called out, I think was pretty evident to me though, which is, uh, I think the overall performance didn't change a lot. I think that, uh, yeah, Pepe got on the ball very, very. I don't have the exact numbers, right? But his was one of the lowest touches in the on the team. Um, I think that he did have uh, one opportunity. I think he, he got a shot on goal. It was a header. I think that if I remember right, it was like a Ricarte uh, crossed it and it was a header directly to the keeper. I think that was kind of later in the game, but. Uh, um, he he played well. I think what what nice what nice thing that did come out of it. What nice uh, was the uh, I think Hara coming off the bench though 
for that, that short amount of time is able to bring some energy. And I think we saw that, uh, which is kind of crazy to talk about an older guy. I think we saw that in the, the first two matches, um, how much he was pressing early on and how it was disruptive, I think, to the other team. Um, it was nice to actually see a little bit more of that, a little bit more energy from uh, from Fran- Franco Hara when he did come in. So uh, overall, I think it paid off. Uh, yeah, I mean, he came in and got an assist. Yeah, it was a very on Dante Sealy's goal. A nice, and it was nice a really good assist. pass too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he was he was very active until then. So um, it was good. I mean, happy to, happy to see Pepe. Maybe they'll keep this rotation going. Maybe this will keep things fresh up up top. Keep the competition going. Um, I'm sure we all would like to see more goals from uh, from our strikers, no matter who it is. For sure. Uh, I don't have the touch. I'm looking up the um, stats for Pepe. I don't have the number of touches. Uh, he was he had uh, two shots though. So that's I mean that's something I guess. According yeah. to whoscored.com, it shows that Pepe has four touches while Hara had 29. Wow. Yeah, I'm not too sure what who scored I, classifies as a touch though, but it's four yeah. seems a little way too low for four. Four Pepe, does. I, yeah, I was thinking it was like low thirties, um, but the but still, uh, it was not it was not enough. So I think we I think we all agreed on on that piece. I might be wrong. Um, it's you know a couple it, of years, but I want to say Franco also had a bit of a two striker or if not like an off striker kind of like how north texas is running right now system over there in pachuca well here at fc dallas it's very much of hey it's here's the nine um (laughs) and i think that's something that maybe a few people would have liked to see a bit more consistently last year when cobra was still here is to see how cobra and franco (laughs) those two would have played with each other yeah that would have been interesting for sure all right uh plenty more to talk about in that match one another another start that we you know didn't necessarily expect and well we did expect after last week but uh, we wouldn't have expected it up had had Jimmy Maher not got injured it was uh, Felipe uh, stepped in and and you know held down the fort between the sticks as they say uh, and got on the offensive score sheet Nico we'll start with you did you how comfortable did you feel with Felipe and goal um. I really wasn't necessarily too concerned, right? Um, part of it is just because you had Brisson and Jose Martinez in front of him, uh, plus with Ryan Hollingshead there. Uh, so that really wasn't much of a concern. I mean, look, Philippe's, Philippe, Felipe, we've heard both from the club, so I'm not too sure which one to go with. And then when you listen to his pronunciation, he says it really fast. So <laughs> I'm just going to follow the club suit and interchange both of them. But Philippe, Felipe, uh, <laughs> you them both so that you get, get got all your bases covered. There you go. Um, <laughs> but it, I mean, there's a reason why FC Dallas a brought him in, uh, pretty early. I mean, I'm sure Andre also had a huge say in that. And then also kind of signed him to, I want to say a loan extension, or we actually did get him on a contract. Uh, don't remember off the top of my head. I mean, there's a reason why FC Dallas wants him, right? And he's a young player. Um, and he's in contention for Brazil's Olympic team. Uh, the, the kid does have the qualities and individual, and he's really fortunate to be at FC Dallas where historically the club has had good goalkeeping. Um, I'm sure Jimmy and Kyle are both excellent mentors. I know that, uh, I'm pretty sure that Drew is, uh, doing an excellent job, uh, coaching him. 
So uh, great for him. Um, you know, the, it, it's kind of goalkeepers a little bit different, right? You, they typically hit their peak in their uh, 30s, early 30s, right? Or if you're Buffon, you're probably what I think 40s at this point. But um, uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's great for him at such a young age to uh, be getting these starts. It's it a little reminiscent of Jesse Gonzalez, right, where he got his start early on, and um, I. I I really hope that Philippe kind of continues on this momentum uh, he has, right? Because last year in Minnesota, that was a rough game. I think that was a three-something goal game where he gave up. Here, he looked definitely a bit more solid. Um, I'm sure that it looks like he wants to be a bit more vocal, but I'm sure there's that language barrier, which having Brisson probably helps. But um, there's a lot of upside. I think it's just great that he kind of is really taking this opportunity that he currently has given the unfortunate circumstance with Jimmy Mauer. Yeah. Uh, quickly, it is uh, Philippa is the way that, that um, he says it kind of in the, on the club page and Philippa. So it's kind of a split between the two. Uh, I'll never get that right. But uh, yeah, no goalkeeper is one of those positions where even the backups were, you're really not too worried about what, What's good, like some disaster happening there, right? Even when Kyle Zobeck came in last year, it it was it was a question, it was like a curiosity, but it was never a worry. I don't think to most fans. Jonathan, um, were you were you satisfied with Philippa's? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, I think he performed well. The the the. Few times he was tested. Um, you can see that the athleticism. Um, so there's a, a couple of shot blocks where um, he had to make a, a kind of a jumping lunge, right? Um, so you can see he's got that raw natural ability. Um, the one that um, that he let in, which I'm sure we'll get into um, later, was just a, a horrible defensive collapse on the FC Dallas side. Uh, I, I don't blame uh, on the keeper. I blame the, the three people that were passed on the way to the keeper. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, th- I think uh, he performed well. And then, uh, hey, he got he got an assist for the first uh, FC Dallas assist since the 2011. So it went two year, 10 years since a goalkeeper uh, uh, got an assist for for the club. So, hey, that's 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 great. Um, and according to Paxton Pominkol, it could be the first ever weak-footed uh, keeper assist. Yeah, I haven't actually gone back and 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 watched the tape on that one to see if that's if that's accurate or not. That seems kind of weird. Um, well, they it said was, it was to a check punt too, wasn't it? So. It was a punt too, right? So that'd be a really yes. weird. Why would you do a wrong-footed punt? I just, I anyways. I, I mean, it's Paxton. We can't question it. Uh, of course, Brazil's of course. a whole different nation when it comes to soccer. So. Yeah, it shouldn't necessarily be a bit too surprising. Just quickly adding, he also looked comfortable on his feet. I remember there was this one moment where Portland was pressing him and he was able just to kind of hold mm-hmm. the ball really well before releasing it out to uh, the wings. Now, how about that goal? Was that a great assist or was that just some really sloppy defense on the uh, Portland center back's part? Yes. <laughs> I think it's both. both. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it it is – it's credit to him for seeing it. It's credit to Obreon for toasting his last guy and then shipping the keeper. But it's also, um, it's also speaks pretty negatively to the quality of the defense that was going on with Portland so, early on in that match. 
So let's 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 quickly talk about the other side of that assist. So what did we think of um, the the performance from from Harder? Uh, I will kind of lead his performance with a um, something that Matt Forster had brought up in the middle of the game. He uh, he tweeted Castillo 2.0 scores 10 years to the day when Castillo 1.0 scored his first goal for the club. So. Um, is, is kinda... it, does that mean that there's a there's going to be a, a Castillo level of frustration, like uh, where where he makes the crazy shots and then you, you wonder about decision making in other parts of his game? Interesting, you bring that up. Um, <laughs> he's definitely drawn a lot of comparisons to Castillo, right? Uh, the speed aspect of it, running down to the end line and then just kind of crossing it in there. Um, but with you, you see the. The skill that he has and the potential. Jeez, I sound like uh, luchisms. So that's Where's my? <laughs> I need my bell sound effect. There you go, luchisms, right? Lots of lots of potential with this young man. Um, but I think when you're when you're comparison comparing him to Freddie, right? Then that's when those comparisons become really stark. Um, there's a lot to work with. Uh, he had a really good preseason, right? But with that, you could argue that the competition that he was facing within preseason isn't the same that we've seen in these first three games um especially with uh san jose as well so um i think it's one to keep an eye out there is some i guess frustrating aspects of his game that personally i find a little frustrating but again i'm not the one on the field running around in uh, humid weather so <laughs> i I'm, I'm not making these quick split decisions like these uh professionals are so uh it's it's exciting. I think they have an exciting wing base right here. Yeah, no, I, I agree, Nico. And I think the thing for me with him, and yes, the the preseason quality of opponent was was lesser, and so maybe there's some time to adjust going on here. But I think the thing that that is interesting, I don't necessarily know that I would say the the San Jose match was a step forward, but the this match was a step forward from the uh, match against Colorado, I would say. So um, I think you can see him getting more comfortable and the pressing, for instance, I believe his pressing is getting smarter and, um, and better. Even though, you know, that Colorado match, he created some, some, immediate opportunities i think that this match you saw it last longer and i think this comes with match fitness and like getting acclimatized to the league um but i I think i think he'll keep getting better i don't want to like what i think the thing that that i'm struggling with here just after the low of san jose and this high uh we really have to to tap the brakes a little bit um and personally, I'm I'm having to tap my own brakes, uh, just because the, we all know that that first half was pretty much a Portland B team, um, maybe even worse. And so, um, as exciting as it is, and, and as encouraging as some of these performances were, um, it may not be a great, uh, I guess, weather like barometer check. Barometer, yeah. there you go. I knew it was something with weather because we. But speaking of barometer, how's the how's the storms going, Jonathan? 
it, it's we, going great. My uh, my house is still intact. Okay, good. But uh, so last week we we talked a little bit about you know Lucci was talking about moments and how if different things had happened uh, with the San Jose game, you know the the outcome could have been different. Um, and we kind of gave him a hard time a bit on this pod that yes, obviously that's soccer anytime, you know, it usually comes down to just a few moments. I, I take that same kind of thing for to forward to this match, which is yes, Portland rotated, but FC Dallas played the team that was, that they played against, right? That there was, there's the, the, the opponent on the field is the one they had to beat, and they, and they did beat them. Right. And so, uh, yeah, it was rotated, but it was still professional MLS players. Uh, I think FC Dallas did well. Uh, thinking specifically about Hader, I think the, the, the thing I'd like to keep an eye on is just his decision-making. Uh, seems like once or twice in every match, um, he'll make a decision that you, you, you step back. Of course, you know, I'm not I'm not running at game speed, right? I'm trying to make a decision if I'm going to pass or which way or, or shoot. Um, but there's it seems like every every game there's, there's something where, um, and it might just be, he doesn't have that cohesiveness with the team the, yet. The penalty against San Jose. The penalty against San Jose. Uh, I think late in this in the, this last match too, uh, there was an opportunity where uh, he was pretty much one on one with the goalie. There was three defenders that were running next to him. Um, he chose to lay it off to Paxton, uh, and it, when when he probably should have just gone to goal, right? Uh, when he laid it off to Paxton, it was easily intercepted um, by by the Portland defenders. So there's just one or two of those kind of things, but. Uh, it's early. It's it's three games. We'll see uh, as he plays more and more with these players, if he's able to read the game better um, and, and understand kind of where different players like to be and where uh, when's the right time to, to lay it off. And what's, when's the right time to just go for goal? Yep. Yep. Time will tell. Um, so after that, a pretty impressive first half where FC Dallas was up three to nil, uh, at halftime, Gio's Savarese made pretty much a line change. He made all, I think, what is it, four changes he made at halftime. Brought in Valeri, Espria, Eric Williamson, uh, and Van Rienken. And it uh, really kind of changed the match there for the first of the, the second half. And FC Dallas kind of absorbed some pressure, maybe some too much pressure, and Jonathan, you kind of talked about it earlier about the uh, Eric Williamson goal and the ease of of which they kind of slice their way through the defense. And that's the second match where we've seen somebody kind of mm-hmm. slice their way through defense. Are you a little bit troubled by that, or do you think that just kind of happens? Well, it seems to happen to FC Dallas a few times every year, at least. Um, but that was one of those goals you could see coming, right? I mean, I'm I'm sta- I'm standing up, yeah, yelling, totally. saying, "Stop the ball!" Right? Just uh, get him. <laughs> um, but yes, the you know Williamson basically you know runs past three cones disguised as FC, D- FC Dallas players. Uh, I think it was uh, uh, Hader, uh, and then I think a lunge from Brisson, which is probably one of the one of his few off moves during the day. Um, and I can't remember who the third person was that uh, he just kind of walked past before scoring the goal. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just a matter of not stopping the ball. What what I also noticed was it seemed like, um, and I don't know if this was new personnel trying to figure out what's happening or spacing or understanding, but uh, there was a period of time right after uh, Lucci made a couple of subs 
Uh, I think it was bringing on Paxton and uh, who else came on at the same time? It was John Nelson for Paxton? The yeah, pa- Paxton and Nelson. There was probably a three or four minute period, which included that goal, um, mm-hmm. where FC Dallas just looked shaky. So some of that also might have just been people trying to reorientate to who was doing what. Um, since they just swapped out basically the entire left-hand side, moved moved Ryan, but um, there's still no excuse for that goal, right? That, that goal was just a, uh, you know, somebody's somebody's got to to make the stop. I mean, it, somebody's got to make the hard foul, something, right? Yep. Um, and then Edwin Cerillo came in and kind of clogged that, like provides provided some uh, stability. Uh oh, weather work. No, all right. <laughs> we're all, we're on pins and needles here as we watch the red roll by on the radar. Um, Nico, what did you think of of Sarrio coming in and how he uh, performed in that in the later stages of the match? I think just him getting minutes, right? Um, kind of just in the off season, he was given the six, right? So it's like, all right, there's there's that expectation and that weight on his shoulders. Then from the get-go, everyone thought, okay, well, Edwin's going to get some playtime playing as the six, and then you got the three in the back. Um, now you come back to the four and still no Edwin. So I, th- I think it's kind of a relief, I guess, for some fans to finally see Edwin getting some time on the field uh, just to kind of test the water. I guess we'll not test the waters. He's played in the position before last year, did well, but just kind of seeing him again out there, uh, I think it was really good. Uh, for I just him to build up confidence to kind of show to Lucci, hey, I can take on this responsibility after Thiago left. Even though that I'm a young kid, I can take on the responsibility of shielding the back line and also kind of help organize the midfield and kind of be a little, not necessarily direct the, direct the attack, but just be an anchor point, be a key part. Um, the other thing that I think we've been hitting on throughout this game, though, is it's a little bit difficult with... Um, kind of the lineup that Portland have put out. Yeah. It's kind of like at, at some points it was their B squad. Some points it was their A minus team. Other points it was maybe their C plus team. But <laughs> um, it's also a little bit difficult too from an analysis perspective for us to just kind of go in and say, oh, this worked out really well for this player or the team did well when you're already up 3-0 at halftime. Um, yep. It, there's, game there's, state matters. Exactly. There, there's some game management that you kind of have to do at that point. Um, teams are definitely going to s- sit back a little bit um, and try to protect that lead. I'm not saying that every team's going to do that. And there's certainly nothing stopping Lucci to say, hey, let's keep going all out attack. But um, it's it's also a little bit difficult to put a lot of emphasis on, well, at this minute, this player did this and this was really good or really bad. But um, just kind of holistically, I think it was good for Edward to kind of come in and get some minutes. I, I would agree. I mean, I, it's kind of like um, when we saw Paxton come in for the first game. Uh, yes, he's coming off injury, so it's a little bit of a different situation. But you could see that the touch was just a little off, took him a little bit to get into the game. I think mentally there, I saw the same kind of thing with Edwin. Uh, there were there there was a couple of of times where uh, you know he mishandled the ball or didn't make the, the right mark, um, but you know something they could afford in in a match where they were uh, winning handily. I think three one when when he came in. Uh, the so. I think it's it's a it's a place to grow grow from. It's great to see Edwin out there. I I didn't see anything though that makes me think that uh, he's 
going to be dislodging, uh, I guess, Acosta now as the uh, just looking at how the team performed um, as the the six any anytime soon. I think the other thing is also just kind of the player, right? Um, Paxson's been as a professional for quite some time. This is his sixth season right here, mm-hmm. right? Um, so for Paxson to kind of come in at that zero zero draw for Colorado. Yeah, it was a good opportunity for him just to kind of get some match fitness again, but it also had some sort of importance. Um, it did give him a little bit kind of some urgency to say, hey, let's at least try to get some three points at home. Um, and we kind of mentioned it earlier. Uh, this was a very good game to start Eddie Munjoma for this match, right? C- going against a expected weakened Portland um, kind of it allows him some breathing room and it's not a high stakes uh, and same thing with Edwin, right? The six role is pretty a pretty big role for what Lucci likes to do and for this team. So when FC Dallas is already th- uh, has that lead, it's a little low stakes. It gives Edwin just a little breathing room, some opportunity to just kind of figure out uh, how he really wants to play and really kind of cement himself yeah. in the future long term. Yeah, and you mentioned Paxton, and we're going to have to put a pin in that and come back to, to what we thought of Paxton. But just um, on the on the six performance. Uh, one of the things we also saw was was Lucci trying out early on Tespin um, as as that six or at least kind of the most offensive eight, whatever we want to call it. Uh, and I, I think Tespin looked okay, um, but definitely we saw we saw Lucci rotate pretty quickly. I think that maybe it's probably only the first eight ten minutes that Tespin was uh, playing in that six role, and then you saw him swap out. Um, for Acosta and, and Acosta kind of split, spent most of the rest of the game um, in that defensive uh, kind of uh, holding midfielder position. He had a really solid game. Acosta did. Acosta, yes. Hey, I'm. Uh, I'm. You know, uh, Nico claimed he was the Brisson fan club. Uh, I'm not going to go so far as to say I'm an Acosta fan club, uh, but he's. He's he just is, like all the free soccer balls he sends into the stands. It, yeah, well, he's 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 controlled that, and I think that it's one of those ones where uh, I I continue to give him the benefit of the doubt because I think when he does play well, he plays really well. Uh, and just knowing he was injured last year, played six quite a bit. Um, it's been it's been nice to see. It's been refreshing to see kind of three games in a row where Acosta's played well. Uh, he didn't. I would say probably. 70, 80% of the match uh, against Portland, he played really, really well. Um, There's a few moments here and there where uh, maybe he made had a defensive lapse or uh, didn't make the right decision. But I think overall, uh, I was, you know, I think Acosta's doing well, which is which is what we expect from a from a DP. Um, and then you know, we, Lucci's got a couple of nice pieces uh, near him, like uh, Ricarte, who uh, is probably. He might might be uh, the man of the match coming out of that uh, out of that game against Portland. I think the biggest thing just with Acosta as well is he kind of has a consistent role. Um, I might does I he? kind of does I, well. I only say that just because there's times in his tenure at FC Dallas where he's been tasked with the six or kind of right. playing as a sweeper too, going as far as now I have to be the ten and the creative force on this team too. Now I got to be the glue. Um, I think as his time has progressed, he's kind of developed a little role for himself as well. Um, I really, I kind of go back to his t- um, the game he got injured in last year. That was against who? Kansas City. I felt like he was having a really good game that day and then just unfortunately had that injury that kind of derailed. So um, 
I think as time progresses, if he has just a some sort of consistent role, I th- that will be good. But yeah, he's not um hitting the the uh, the uh, I, Hall I, of Fame I, sign. Or, I guess that's the positive. Sure as a lot of people it, like to give him grief for, but yeah, playing playing <laughs> de- the six, definitely consistent and playing yeah. really well, which is nice to see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing that was consistent about that entire match was the uh, the level of heated play and uh physical physicality uh and you saw a little bit of of it come to a head um come to a head oh my gosh dustin where are you you saw it come to a hollings head in the 78th minute when the ball went out of bounds and um Ryan Holly said went to go throw the ball in and then pump faked right at Gio Savarese Savarese. Uh and uh before we, we get your take, let's let's listen to what Ryan Hollings had had to say about that after the match. Uh man, that was so good. Uh so I went to go get the ball off the, the podium and Gio tossed the ball at the side of my head, but I knew it was coming, so I caught it. And then he was just jibber jabbering, and so I thought Oh, I know what I'm going to do. So I like pump faked him and then threw the ball in. Uh, I didn't know that was a yellow card. I don't know if that would have changed my doing it or not doing it. But uh, honestly, I probably would do it again because, man, our team got pumped after that. We, you know, the remaining of the game after that, we really came flying, scored our fourth goal. Uh, It really changed the momentum of the game. So, man, sometimes sometimes you need something like that, a little bite or a little bit of uh, some personality to kind of change the game and and to kind of – uh, energize the the team so it ended up working this time but um yeah man it was it was i, I i've only heard good things about geo i got nothing against him personally but it's just he caught me in the moment kind of threw the ball at my head and i kind of uh uh yeah i thought the pump fake would be funny yeah it was funny but at the same time like I'm not super fan of it of that kind of play or active actions but uh nico did you did you enjoy it? I thought it was uh, kind of nice. Um, I mean, think about it. You go through the FC Dallas roster, and who's the last person you think that will do that? <laughs> the, the Ryan Holling said, right? I mean, shoot. I, I think the only other person that you would also think wouldn't do it is good guy Atiba. If anything, Atiba would probably like start coaching Gio on the sideline. <laughs> but um, I thought it was a little interesting. I'm not too sure what Ryan was talking about, um, Gio throwing the ball at his head. I probably might have missed that on the broadcast, but... I think he kind of um, like underhand tossed it and it may have looked like it was mm. coming at his head. I don't know that it was actually. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was right before that as he was walking out to get the ball. Yeah, it was. It, it, I thought that was a, a little interesting kind of just for multiple reasons. A, it's just Ryan. B, it kind of especially last year, Ryan looks like he's taken on a unofficial leadership role within the team as well. So there's kind of a lot of eyes on Ryan seeing how he reacts, how he kind of pumps up the team. He seems to. A lot in those B clip roles that the club puts out, he's also pumping up the team, kind of the um, unofficial cheerleader. Yeah, um, but you know, um, so there, cheering on players in the in the massage room whenever they get team of the week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, always happy to do those. So um, I think what Ryan did say is that the team got pumped up after that is kind of good. Um, you do want to see some of. Uh, your nice guy, I guess, really get into it, but also kind of credit to Gio as a coach right there, just to be able to get into another player's head, especially a player like Ryan, um, someone who's as experienced in MLS. 
Uh, so credit, they, credit to him. Yeah. I mean, credit to Gio. <laughs> that, that, that's some, um, I mean, there's a lot of tactical aspects of coaching, but there's also kind of just that emotional aspect as well. So um, it, I think it was a, just a really nice, <laughs> nice play. If you break it down all around. I, it, I just, I just laughed and laughed. So I, I mean, I, real time knew no idea what happened during the actual match. Right. I could just see the, the players lining up on the, the sideline, you know, the kind of the after effects, um, but after after seeing it, you know, on uh, ESPN and stuff, uh, and then going back and rewatching the the match yesterday, I just uh, I think I rewound a few times and just kind of laughed. So uh, thank you, thank you, Ryan, for brightening not my day. <laughs> I think the obvious comparison there is for like that Ryan's trying to make is an NHL player that starts a fight to to get a spark to his team if like they're starting to drag a little bit or maybe they can feel the momentum turning um i highly doubt that that's actually what went through his mind where he said i'm gonna give a spark by trying to be like i don't think that like that goes through your mind in that situation especially that quick i i think probably just got like you said it got in his head and uh started that but is uh definitely provided some entertainment in uh in a match that was already entertaining. And, uh, you know, to, to round it out, we had some entertainment from Paxton. Uh, Jonathan, you said you wanted to come back and talk about Paxton. Uh, so let's, let's unpin the Paxton Pommy call pin. Yeah. I just, from, from my perspective, this was the first match that Paxton looked like Paxton. Um, so the, uh, it looked like you know, he, he was he was going full speed. Um, he was uh, kind of reading the game well, made some really good runs. Um, also helped, uh, I think, set up that uh, uh, what was the what was it the third goal? I remember that Paxton was involved in one of the in one of the or was it the it was the the Sealy one, wasn't it? Uh, it was Paxton. I think it was Paxton to to Hara Hara to Sealy. Um, so I mean, it was just nice to see. I think this was the first match where uh, I thought, you know, Paxton was getting his legs under him um, and was kind of ready to um, ready to, to take it to the next level. It would be interesting to see how soon it is before uh, before we see him actually start. So, I don't know. Nico, do you have any any thoughts on how Paxton performed? I think you hit it on the nail. It's just kind of good to see Paxton getting to himself right um, of course, we've seen it before, right? Uh, at the beginning of last season, where it's like, okay, Paxton can really uh, have these opportunities, and of course, last year he combined really well with the home ground, so that's always a plus, as in, uh, for someone who supports FC Dallas. But I, I kind of feel like the biggest question mark surrounding him is just can he stay healthy for a whole season? Right. So I mean, he can he can always surprise and dazzle. I mean, he almost had a repeat goal of uh from last year where he kind of dribbles across the box and then shoots it into the other corner but I, the biggest thing surrounding him is just can he consistently stay healthy but it, it's always good to have a player like that not only just kind of come off the bench but again i mean this paxton sixth season he's not um he's not a he's, he's still uh, he's still he's, a kid but he's not he, new, he's still right? yeah exactly he's he's still a kid he's not a stranger to being a professional so um, yeah. I don't know if that for some people raises the expectation, but I guess I would say I wouldn't be too surprised that Paxton can do this. I mean, there's a reason why FC Dallas did sign him as a homegrown at such a young age and has been having him as a part of the team. And I mean, he's wearing the symbolic number 19 as well. So 
um, it's always good to see a player kind of come back from injury, feel, look like himself, and have an impact on the game and, as well. And speaking of of players coming off the bench, young players coming off and having an impact, uh, what about Dante Seeley, Dustin? Uh, you love to see it. Um, you know, it's he comes in, scores his first goal. How old is that kid? Seventeen, eighteen. Um, and it's your, your, your score, your first goal, goal, the, the stadium goes crazy. Everybody knows the significance of it. The fans know it. The players celebrate like they just broken a tie in the 96th minute. Um, like it's just one of those things where the significance was not lost on anybody and everybody was just so happy for him. And I think that's the thing that I'll take away from it. It was a, it was a good play. And it's a good pass by Paxton and a good pass by Hara and a good finish from from Dante to beat that last man. But for me, the thing that I'll, I'll remember about that goal is the celebration and the, the excitement from everybody at, in Frisco at that time. I think you just hit it on the head right there. That was the exact same thing I was going to say. Um, there's just kind of something special with FC Dallas in that regard is whenever a homegrown scores their first goal, right? Um, you said it perfectly. They celebrated as much as just getting that last-minute goal in a playoff match or, or even winning MLS Cup. I mean, FC Dallas hasn't done that yet, but I would imagine it would be scenes just like that. Um, it, and that, that, that's always, that's always kind of cool to see. Uh, just getting to talk to these guys, um, and kind of just you really want the best for them. Uh, it, it's just there's these young guys have these huge dreams. Um, and for Dante, who's also been with the club for quite a bit sometime, uh, did score his very first professional goal with North Texas in 2019. <laughs> Sorry, I got to plug North Texas we, wherever I can. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, it's it's always unique. It's always a special opportunity to see uh, homegrown score their first goal, in, especially at home. Yeah, I think it was kind of fun to see after the match as well. He was over celebrating, banging on the drum with El Matador. Um it's I think that I think we haven't talked about it this episode, but having the supporters group over in the, that corner is going to be a game changer for game day atmosphere. And I think we've already seen it in our first two matches because I believe it makes the, the, the fans and the supporters groups and the players all even that much more connected, uh, which is something that if you don't have a team that's going to really focus on atmosphere or a club that's going to focus on the stadium atmosphere. Uh, you kind of rely on those three things connecting in order to get that atmosphere. And I think that's going to be a good thing for SC Dallas this season. It's a really oh, good point oh, 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 for, for, for sure. And then I think I, that, I only have good points, Nico. <laughs> true, true, true. Nico's new to the pod. He, he, he just doesn't know. Uh, <laughs> I say that just because Dustin writes my paycheck. Okay, that's right. That's There's right. Lots We're, of zeros in that paycheck. There, there is lots of zeros. Nothing else, just zeros. Uh, and one one thing I noticed is uh, I, I went back and watched the uh, the Spanish telecast, um, which I think is this was the same TV feed as they probably used for the uh, the live stream, uh, and the the supporters group section did feature quite a few times during the match. So. It uh, looks like uh, whoever it is that's working the cameras in Toyota Stadium uh, was was making a, a good effort. That despite the fact that they're you know technically on the non-camera side, um, they tried to you know get the supporters groups captured quite a few times during during the match, uh, which you know, helps make up for 
Um, one of those one of those negative things about the move. Uh, one other cool kind of positive thing uh, from a supporters group perspective, uh, FC Dallas did allow for them to march into the match uh, using smoke, etc. 30 minutes ahead of time, uh, which is something they haven't been able to do in a while. Um, so it was uh, it was was pretty cool. I actually got to participate with my kiddo himself, too, to my twelve year old son. I uh, got to participate. He was very excited to get to get to hold uh, some smoke and and, and march in. But um, it was kind of was 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 nice to see um, the club do that. Uh, I mean, uh, they they need to do quite a bit, I think, to make up for some of the early season missteps. Um, but overall, now that that supporters group section is built out, uh, I think it looks nice. I think the acoustics are great. Um, if they can, uh, you know, help help manage the the pregame atmosphere as well as the the the, the TV piece, um, I think I think it's it's all good. Absolutely. All right. Uh, anything else you guys want to touch? We we had a lot of points on that match. There's lots of stuff to talk about. Um, and no, I, I think we should make another great transition. Speaking of points, how many points did NTSC score, Nico? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, let's do a quick, quick North Texas SC check in. Uh, we, we have Mr. North Texas himself, uh, here with us. Uh, so we'd be remiss if we didn't at least get a check in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for those that don't know, I'm definitely going to turn the mood of this whole episode around. Uh, North Texas did have their first away game to Greenville Triumph SC, uh, the defending, USL League One champions in 2020 and the same team that North Texas SC played in the 2019 USL League One uh, final. So uh, two good teams just to uh, start off. Um, And it really didn't go in North Texas SC's favor. Um, Everything went right for Greenville. It was a 0-4 win for Greenville. Um, Yeah, if um, you could definitely catch that recap at... uh, ThirdDegree.net. Sorry, doesn't have to do the plug, but um, <laughs> man, that's your payment right there. It's, but uh, <laughs> that's your paycheck. But um, I would say this is actually a really necessary loss for the club to experience, especially in this season. Just kind of given the whole roster overhaul they've gone through, lots of great individual attacking talent. The team definitely needs a lot of work defending as a team, though. So. Uh, plus, it's a really young young squad. A lot of these guys are kind of they're in a very fortunate environment at North Texas SC and FC Dallas. Do have the facilities they do, but then also that integration between both teams um, to kind of experience that loss and understand. Hey, as a professional, this is exactly what some t- some things you need to go through. Um, and those who kind of respond well to this and keep going uh, are gonna, are going to do really well as professionals. And sometimes some players don't respond well to that. Um, and that's kind of the task Eric Quill has is to be able to mold these young individuals into quality professionals that can learn from a game and then progress on. And it also kind of highlights the, the, the spread in competition just within league one as well in the competition. These players are going to face um, inner Miami, arguably not so much of a good team um <laughs> while greenville is has been a def- consistently defensive solid team uh in league one as well so uh i would say it's a really good game that the club had experience and especially early on okay i think the big thing that folks want to know myself and i'm sure jonathan included um you tweeted out during the game during the middle of the game uh 
of the FC Dallas game, I think, that there was two red cards at the same time. Like, what happened there? Was it at least it was at least something really cool, or um, was it like some really weak red cards? <laughs> I don't. It kind of depends on. Give us a class- story, Nico. I want to like kind of depends. Really on sell it. <laughs> kind of depends on how you classify really cool, right? Uh, so it kind of towards the waning moments of the match. Uh, ball goes out for play, so Gibran is also just trying to get the ball. Um, it's Greenville's ball uh, when it goes out, so Gibran just kind of kicks the ball at a Greenville player, and naturally the fans kind of get into it, and the Greenville players uh, felt that it was really n- unnecessary, so like a little kerfuffle uh, happens <laughs> on the field. And um, so kind of with Everybody's Gibran... talking. <laughs> <laughs> there's a aggressive aggressive hugging um <laughs> <laughs> so i mean gibran for kind of instigating uh that what instigating that situation is what the referee felt was the initial red card but uh kazoo the brazilian defender brazilian japanese defender that fc dallas brought in he was already subbed off and kind of came off the bench and really also got into the kerfuffle that broke out. So that was also another red card offense. Oh, third ban in or whatever. There he goes. Yeah. So that was the two red cards. So North Texas did have to play 10 men down, not nine, but um, kind of, if I could, I mean, just to throw my little opinion in two cents, it's not something you want to see, especially with these young guys. Um, kind of, yeah, it, it's, it's a, they're professionals. It, they played the sport for a living. This is what they get into. But, um, it's just a little unfortunate to kind of see that with uh, with some emotions kind of getting the best of some players. So uh, North Texas C fans don't really have to worry about a the loss and just kind of that. I mean, Eric Quill is a very good coach in regards, has plenty of experience working with the youth and kind of <laughs> helping them out. Um, He's also a very intense man, very, very intense individual, and well and well dressed. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know. Um, I would say Lucci hasn't beat in that regard, but. <laughs> But yeah, that was the uh, red card incident. Right you know, there. we always talk about about the players uh, pushing each other and the competition being good for the squad. I think Lucci and uh, Quill with their drip competition, pushing each other and, and making sure that they're they're each on their game for their clothing choices. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I mean, after the first game, I did ask Eric Quill about his clothing change, and he was like, "Yeah, don't have a big wardrobe, but thought I'd switch it up." But then he was like, oh, I also don't like giving up goals, so maybe the pants were off color. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, these are the things that really matter in a football club. These are the uh, concerning these are the concerning things. Yeah. I mean, some at least two people on this podcast want to know. That's right. Uh, and then there might be other people. Some people but, have, have kit talk, we have drip talk. That's right. Yeah. I think this That's all started with our this all started when Armand was our, on the our podcast, Armand's, I think. Armand's yeah. probably crying right now. I feel like, guys, geez, this is not the way to go about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of going about it the right way, FC Dallas has, hosts Houston, and they hope to go about getting another win the right way by scoring more goals than the other team. Uh, Jonathan, are you excited for the first Texas Derby of the season? Uh, I am, of course. Uh, Houston comes anytime Houston's here. It's going to be a big match. Uh, I did hear that they're supposed to be bringing a, a pretty good-sized contingent. Uh, I think that uh, when I was talking to uh, El Matadors before the match, uh, they were coordinating. I think that Houston might be bringing as many as like 140, 150 people 
uh, from their supporters groups up to to this uh, FC Dallas match. So it'll be that'll be great. It's going to be an early match. Uh, it's going to be an, an an awesome atmosphere. So people show up early, tailgate, have some fun. Um, hopefully, it won't be uh, raining outside. Uh, and you know, in the end, uh, you know the 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 other thing is uh, it is the first match of what is it the Copa Tejas. Copa Tejas. Copa Tejas MLS. That's right. Um, so uh, for, first match of that. So uh, you know we've we're, we'll start out the competition between the the three Texas teams. Uh, the you know it's Houston, right? They've they've started out well. They played. Uh, they they won against San Jose. Uh, they lost. I can't remember who they lost in the second match to. Uh, was it Colorado? Okay. Um. Yes. And then I think it was a tie yeah. against LAFC in the last match. Uh, checking quick stat check. Um, they lost to Portland. Por- actually. Oh, that's right, Portland. Portland's yes. A team. Yes. Um, and that was in Portland too. So the the so so Houston I think is has has played okay. They're the they've got four points just like FC Dallas. Um, but you know in the end, uh. This feels like a game that FC Dallas should be expected to win. Yeah, especially if you look at how well they handled them in the preseason. It is preseason, and, you know, take that for what it's worth. But um, there was at least, you know, some look at both of their first teams at some point in that game, and um, FC Dallas seemed to, to handle their first team pretty well in that portions of the match. But, like I said, that's preseason. Um yeah, I mean, both teams are 1-1-1, one, one, and, one, and, you know, this this past match against Portland was very big for FC Dallas. It really fell a lot really big. And I think just with, like you mentioned, with all of the, the, the things, the pride, the cannons, the, um, the, the stakes, the Texas pride going on, uh, I, this one feels like just as big of a match coming into it as the Portland match kind of felt like it needed to be. So uh, I'm excited to see to see how FC Dallas does and what the stadium's like in that match. Just tell the the Houston supporters no beer showers because they will get kicked out for that. Um, we'll make sure to tell our our um, striker Texas friends to pass along that message. But all right, um, Nico, anything else you want to talk about? No, I mean just excited. The you know first Copa Tejas. A game for FC Dallas, Texas Derby. Um, now FC Dallas, well, I guess Dallas in general has got to kind of show that they're the uh, better better city out of now two MLS teams. Hopefully San Antonio also joins that crowd as well. Um, by then, I think that'll be even better for the sport. But, you know, I'm looking forward to the environment. I'm sure both supporters groups are excited about that. Excited to see what the TIFO game is going to be like. Um, that's something that a lot of people kind of take pride in. But also hope that um, in terms of the fans, both for FC Dallas and Houston, also have an enjoyable one for those that do make it out to the game. And I would recommend uh, making it out to the game. Excellent. All I, right. I, I do have one more plug, Dustin, do beforehand. Yes. Well, so, so we've got so we if you're, Nico's in North Texas match uh, recap on um, com. That's net. right. And mine and then, is what's this other point? hey, if uh, if if you or a listener and you're interested in uh, supporting or the Copa Tejas, 
Uh, just go on social media, look up either Dallas Beer Guardians or El Matador. Uh, They're doing a GoFundMe right now trying to raise money for the inaugural trophy and the kit and travel for uh, for the Copa Tejas uh, trophy for the uh, competition between all the different MLS teams. So if you do want to participate, uh, just go there. Uh, they're trying to raise, I think, $3,000 uh, to pay for the trophy and travel, et cetera. So uh, feel free to participate. Are they going to get one of those guys that carried around with white gloves? Uh, they did not have the details of the color of the gloves during the uh, <laughs> in the GoFundMe page. However, you can go look it up yourself, and I'm sure they'll be happy to, to answer that. questions. It's entirely 100% fan-driven as well. So 100%, that's something yep. that um, all the supporters groups, not just at FC Dallas, but across the three MLS teams, are uh, have a lot of pride in, is that this is all 100% supporters-driven. Yeah, that's very cool. All right. Well, we shall see what happens on Saturday against Houston. This uh, it's been fun reliving the Portland match. Um, it's kind of always, all getting in the win column is always always uh, a little energizing. So thanks for joining me, gentlemen. Uh, for Jonathan Ross, Nico Mendez, I'm Dustin Nation. You can see us online at the Dallas at DallasSoccerShow.com or TheStrikerTexas.com. Um, and we are online or on Twitter as at Dallas Soccer Show. So check us out there. And as always, thanks for listening.